really glad that you're here on the first Sunday of the new year, and especially like to welcome those who are here for the first time. Perhaps you're looking to plug into a church for the new year, grow in the Lord. And we're glad you're here, and perhaps this may be your home. But this morning is going to be different than probably every Sunday morning we do here. So if you're wondering if this is what it's like every Sunday, it's not the case. I want to give you a little background about what we're going to do. And I'm going to start by telling you a story. It goes like this. About 12 to 13 years ago, uh, I was at one of the lowest points of my life. Um, just to put it to you bluntly, I didn't want to live, and I wanted to kill myself. That's bluntly. I've told this story many times, so many of you know the story. Um, I had a lot of messed up thoughts, and perhaps some of you have a lot of messed up thoughts about a lot of things. And I just want to know, this is, this is a church where you can be honest about what's going on inside. You don't need to hide your, uh, your stuff and what's going on, the temptations you may have or the struggles you may have. So I want you to kind of be open about that. If I can be open with you about this, hopefully you can be open as well about what you're dealing with. So anyway, during this time, like I said many years ago, as I was struggling with this, basically not wanting to live, I went to go see this really old man. He's old. And I, I doubt he's even alive anymore. And I told him what was going on in my life. And he said, look, let's, let's start to work through some of the issues that are going on in your heart. What is going on inside? And he helped minister this healing grace of Jesus through giving me the gospel. And it, it was bringing life to me, thinking about the truth of God. And he said to me, look, man, one of the ways that you're going to make it through and that you are going to follow Jesus in your life, one of the tools I want to give you, you, you may not believe this, but it's the tool of Scripture memory. He said, you've got a lot of messed up thoughts, and you need to replace those thoughts with the Word of God. And so if anyone in here wants to know what got me started on Scripture memory, the answer is absolute, total, complete desperation. What keeps me going in Scripture memory? Absolute, total, and complete desperation for God and His truth still today. And so I started a pattern of Scripture memory that developed in my life out of desperation. And this morning, I want to give you that method, but I don't want to talk about that method. So if you want to start the new year off memorizing Scripture perhaps out of desperation for God, I have a little method for you. It's easy. It's simple. It'll take five minutes to ten minutes of your day. I have it on the table out there. Some of you, if you want, you can turn it into an app and make a lot of money. All right? But right now, it's just some pieces of paper, and it's very uneventful. It's not complicated. In fact, it is way too simple. You can look at that later on the table. About three years ago, I went on sabbatical to California, and I came back off sabbatical, and I thought, you know what? 
I'm tired of memorizing verses. I want to start to memorize larger units because I want to start to think through passages of Scripture. I'm not very smart. I'm not. I can't put things together very well. And so I thought if I can memorize larger passages of Scripture perhaps, then I can understand them better. And, and what I decided to do is I started memorizing these larger passages of Scripture. I thought, you know what? I love you guys. So I want to start sharing those passages with you here on Sunday morning. So I started to recite these on Sunday morning. Most of you are new, so you don't know that. We, uh, I had the chance to recite First John, then Malachi, then the Sermon on the Mount, there was one book that I want to know pretty much more than any other book in the entire Bible, and that's the book of Romans. And I knew that I was going to be preaching it to you starting in the fall of 2013, and so about two years ago, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the whole book, but I started memorizing Romans. And for those of you who were here last Christmas, on Christmas Day, I had the opportunity to recite Romans 1 through 3. Then on New Year's Day, I had the opportunity to recite Romans Four through six. And this morning, by God's grace, I want you to hear Romans 7 and 8. Twofold. This is why I do this. Did you know the early Christians couldn't pop open a Bible and start reading? They had to just listen. Don't pop your Bibles open this morning. Just listen. Listen like the New Testament church would have listened to Scripture. And the second reason why I do it is because I really want to motivate you to study the Word of God in your mind, hide it in your heart. I want you to memorize Scripture. You don't have to memorize Romans. Just memorize one verse in Romans. That's fine. <laughs> but do something. So just kind of get you kind of a running start into Romans. Uh, just, just quickly, Paul is writing like a lawyer, <laughs> this book. And he's making this case, he's stating his case to this church in Rome, and he's pretty much getting them to understand that all humans are sinful Jews and Gentiles, and the only way that these sinful people like us can be reconciled is through Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection. And Romans 1 through 6 covers a lot of ground. But most of you probably think that Romans 8... It's probably your favorite chapter in Romans, don't you think? It's like, oh, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. What can separate us from the love of Christ? It's, my, it's a wonderful chapter, and we're going to talk about Romans 8. You're going to hear Romans 8 about new life in the Spirit, Abba Father, this suffering that we have now, but we have this guarantee of eternal life, and Romans 8 is awesome. But I like Romans 7. Because Romans 7 talks about a lot of what I feel. This ongoing struggle. That something's still kind of off. Something's still not right. And yet, there is victory in G through Jesus Christ and His power. And Romans 7 is awesome. So let's kind of put the two together today and be encouraged by Romans 7 and Romans 8. So as we start this new year off, and maybe you're fresh and ready to roll, or maybe you're still struggling and stuck in something, may you see 
hey, there's a spiritual struggle that we all face, but there is victory in Jesus Christ to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, let's acknowledge the issues, bring them to the surface in your life, and deal with them with the gospel of Jesus and the forgiveness we have. So put your Bibles aside. Only time of the year I say that. Don't read them. Don't look at them. Listen to it. And so what we're going to do, we need to prepare our hearts to hear the Word of God. So what we're going to do now is we're going to sing a song to prepare our hearts. So let's all stand as we worship. Or do you not know, my brothers, from speaking to those who know the law, the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. Thus, uh, a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she'll be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she's free from the law. And if she marries another man, she's not an adulteress. Likewise, our brothers, you have also died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve, not under the old written code, but in the new life of the Spirit. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me. And through it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous, and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that the law is righteous and it is right. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want... It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. 
So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with, with my mind, with my flesh. I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk. Not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For if you live according to the flesh... Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors but not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who were led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And of children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, 
not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. All these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 